Hey sis, welcome to the She Is Purpose podcast with me, Bali Matole. She Is Purpose is a community of women on a journey to discovering and discerning their God-given purpose and identity. Here we biblically equip, empower, and encourage the modern-day Esthers of this generation who were brought to their specific positions for such a time as this. Please join us in becoming part of the Purpose family by subscribing to the blog at sheispurpose.com and by following us on our various social media platforms. We love hearing from you. Now let's get into this week's episode and learn, grow, and become together. Last week, we spoke about purpose, boundaries, and decisions when we looked at the first wife to King Xerxes, Queen Vashti. This week, I want us to stick with the conversation around decisions, but from the perspective of the new queen and wife to the king, Queen Esther, and how she made the decision to arise in purpose right where she was because she was aware of the fact that she is a woman of influence and her decisions have a ripple effect and impact. And if you listened to last week's episode, these words would sound familiar because these are some points that we touched on in that episode. And if you haven't, please do go check that episode out. It was absolutely incredible. I don't know how many of you are aware that She's Purpose is founded on the scripture that's found in Esther 4.14. As in this entire sisterhood, this movement, this ministry is built on the foundation of the story of Esther and the saving of the Jews through her. Our slogan is, biblically equipping, empowering, and encouraging the Esthers of this generation brought to their positions for such a time as this. On Wednesdays, during our IG live prayer sessions called the Space of Intercession, we mobilize laborers for the harvest that is plenty. And part of that mandate Part of doing that is mobilizing the esters of the harvest. Women who are aware that they were and they are where they are and they've always been where they are for a purpose. Because purpose lives in them and purpose is them. Hence, she is purpose. Now today we're in the book of Esther 4 and this is a story that starts off with a crisis. The Jews are in trouble, big trouble, life and death kind of big trouble. Let's have a look. We're going to be reading Esther 4. I'd encourage you to read the whole thing from verse 1 right up until the end but we're going to start in verse 8 for the purposes of this podcast, and it says, Mordecai also gave him a copy of the text of the decree which had been issued in Susa for the Jews' destruction, so that he might show Esther and explain it to her, and order her to go into the king to seek his favor and plead with him for the lives of her people. Hathak came back and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and ordered him to reply to Mordecai, saying, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king to the inner court without being summoned, he has but one law, that he is to be put 
to death unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. And as for me, I have not been summoned to come to the king for these last 30 days. So they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, liberation and rescue will arise, will arise for the Jews from another place. And you and your father's house will perish since you did not help when you had the chance. And who knows whether you have attained royalty for such a time as this and for this purpose. Verse 15, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go, gather all the Jews that are present in Susa and observe a fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and all my maids also will fast in the same way. Then I will go in to see the king without being summoned, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Like I said, the story starts off with crisis. The Jews are in trouble, big trouble, life and death kind of trouble. And let's see what we can learn from the story. Number one is that God sees a gap, a problem or a crisis ahead of time in his omnipresence and in his omnipotence. And he arranges a sequence of events to solve it with us as part of the plan. Look at how everything unfolded in order for a Jew to become queen, that a nation may be saved from being wiped out by death. So God sees an issue, God sees a crisis, God sees a problem, and in advance orchestrates a sequence of events that includes and involves you in order to provide a solution for that problem ahead of time. It wasn't that God only pieced this together now that Esther was in the palace. God orchestrated for Esther to be in the palace so that these people may be saved. It was ordained this way, structured this way, set up to be this way right from the beginning of time. This is just the manifestation of the setup. And it's the same with us and our families and our workplaces, wherever we are. God sees a gap and facilitates a sequence of events that has you in it as part of the plan in order to provide a solution for what he has seen unfolding or coming ahead. But then we also have a responsibility, right? We need to be able to identify crises in our world and see where we fit, where we were born with a solution to a problem or where we've been raised to the solution. To a problem. So have a look around. What are the problems that exist in your world? Your immediate world and the world at large? And how do you fit into the solution? With what you have in your hands, with where you are, how do you fit in? 
Because there's no way you can come up with a solution to a problem you're not even aware exists. And that's why the first thing is identifying the problem or identifying the crisis, being aware of it. Here we see that Esther didn't even know that a decree had been made until Mordecai had sent word to her in the palace that, hey, there's trouble. A decree's been made and this is what it says. Unless she was aware, there was no way she was going to be a part of the problem resolution. And it's the same for you and I. Lesson number two in the story is that we need to let imposter syndrome go. Let imposter syndrome go. You're not just anybody. You were made for this. You're equipped for this. You were born for this. Imposter syndrome is defined as, well, the many definitions of it that I could find. It's defined as an internal experience of believing that you are not as competent as others perceive you to be. So everybody saw a queen, right? Esther had become a queen. Esther had come into this authority, this opulence, this luxury, this elevation, this opportunity of a lifetime. I mean, who wouldn't want to be queen? But in verse 11, we see Esther referring to any man or any woman, forgetting that she isn't just any woman. She is a queen, the queen. You see, Esther was in the position, but not in the role. She hadn't been free of her perception of self that came from who she used to be and where she used to be. The trauma of everything Esther had been through had messed with her sense of identity so much that even when she came into elevation, she couldn't recognize it fully for what it was and what it meant. And this reminds me of the children of Israel throughout the wilderness, but let's look at one of the first examples we see in the book of Exodus 14 from verse 10. It says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw the Egyptians marching after them, and they were very frightened. So the Israelites cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What is this that you have done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Did we not say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians as slaves than to die in the wilderness. The Israelites were free. They were out of Egypt. But they still had the mentality of slaves. They were free. But they still had the mentality of slaves. Because slavery was familiar. And so it was comfortable all they'd known for many years and then we see Esther Esther was a queen but she was still mentally a fugitive used to hiding her identity used to not having an identity we are told that Esther had one name 
and then when her cousin took her in, he changed her name in order to protect her because they couldn't find out that they were Jews. So they gave her a name, a new name. And with this point, I want to encourage us to check our minds. Check yourself. Check your mind and make sure that where your mind is matches up and aligns with your reality, if not better. I'd rather your mind, my mind, be ahead than behind. I'd rather my reality be catching up with where my mind is and how I perceive myself in my mind than for my mind to be trying to catch up with my reality or to align with who I am right now because in my head, I'm still who I used to be. Rather you think of yourself better than you currently are and have your reality match up than the other way around. Don't let your mind hold you back. Don't have a who am I to or a why me mentality. Why not you? Why not you? The next lesson is that your position, your elevation, your deliverance isn't for you to live in isolation and the comfort of your freedom. You are set free, made better, given more knowledge so that you can do better for his name's sake. Don't get it twisted. It's not about you. You might benefit in the process, but it is not about you. You are where you are so that you can be entrusted with responsibility. Your position comes with responsibility. You as a sister, you as a wife, you as a mother, you as a friend, you at work, you at church. Whatever position you hold in this life comes with responsibility. And taking on that responsibility and playing your part is obedience. And remember we spoke about obedience a few episodes ago? Remember there's a price to pay for disobedience to God's will. And that's what Mordecai was essentially saying to Esther. That you might not do anything about it. And that's okay. We will still be saved. Because Mordecai's faith and hope was not in Esther and her position as queen. His faith and his hope was in God. That if you don't come through and arise, right? Step into your position and use your authority the way you're supposed to use it, then God will save us in another way. Help will come for us from somewhere else. But you have a price to pay for it. You have a price to pay. It says, and I love the Amplified Version, it says, you and your father's house will perish since you did not help when you had the chance. You had the chance, you didn't take it, and there'll be a price to pay for it, is what Mordecai is saying. You know how we always say there's a problem that God creates only you to have a solution to? We're lying. I found that we're lying. Because if you don't arise, God will lift someone else up to do his work. 
God will lift someone else up to do his work. The book of Luke 19, verse 40, gives us an example of this, right? I will start in verse 37, but my, my emphasis is really on verse 40. But it started 37, it says, As soon as he was approaching Jerusalem, near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the entire multitude of the disciples, all those who were or claimed to be his followers, began praising God, adoring him enthusiastically and joyfully with loud voices for all the miracles and works of power that they had seen, shouting, Blessed, celebrated, praised is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory, majesty, splendor in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples for shouting these messianic praises. Jesus replied, I tell you, if these people keep silent, the stones will cry out in praise. If these people keep silent, the stones will cry out in praise. Jesus was basically saying, I don't need them in order for me to get praise. I'll get the praise with or without them, even if it means the stones are doing the praising, but someone is going to praise, something is going to praise. And that's why I say, you might be God's first option, but trust me, you aren't his last it doesn't begin and end with you. If you don't do it, he'll raise someone else to do it. Either way, the work of God will continue, with or without you. And as for me, I'd rather it be with me. I don't want to get left behind. And I don't want to pay that price. That price for disobedience? It's hefty. And I know I can't afford it. So I'd rather not. Lesson number four is in making a decision. We see that then Esther made a decision. A decision to arise. A decision to be available, available to be used by God in her position and in this time of crisis, no matter what it might cost her. Luke 17 verse 33 and Matthew 16 from verse 24 is a good example of this because it tells us that there's a price to pay to follow Jesus and his will. Let's read them. Luke 17 33 says, Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it and whoever loses their life will preserve it. Matthew 16 verse 24 to... 25, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Purpose will cost you. Making that decision will cost you. But you need to be willing to pay the price. Esther says, if I perish, I perish. Essentially, she's saying, if I die, I die. But I'll die trying. I'll die having given it a shot. I'll die having said yes 
to being used by God in this way. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to take inventory of your life and what you've been doing and how effectively you've been using your position, your blessings, your abundance, your elevation, whatever it may be, for the saving of other lives. Esther made the decision to arise, to let go of imposter syndrome and to do it scared. She made the decision to arise and put herself aside because she identified a crisis that needed her more. The crisis of the saving of the people of God. I am not saying put your life at risk negligently in order to play a superhero. What I am saying is discern the will of God. Identify a crisis from the perspective of the discernment and then discern how you fit into the equation of the solution using what God has already placed in your hands or within your reach. And then move forward and use that to change the trajectory of someone or a nation's story. Don't cower from it. Face it. Too many of us are sitting comfortably where we are in our positions of abundance and opulence and freedom. And these positions of abundance and knowledge, our gifts, our talents, only serve us. And that is not how it was created to be. In 1 Peter 4, from verse 10, it says, Just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another, as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. Whoever speaks to the congregation is to do so as one who speaks the oracles, utterances, the very words of God. Whoever serves the congregation is to do so as one who serves by the strength which God abundantly supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified honored and magnified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Remember earlier when I said it's not about you? This just re-emphasizes that. And so in summary, I'm challenging you to arise. Arise in your purpose. This generation needs you. This generation needs what God has placed on the inside of you. Do not let help come from elsewhere later when God has equipped you to help right now. Arise.